0: on today's episode of startup stories i speak with ralph DiBernardo, who is a partner and head of investor relations at sapphire ventures based in austin texas ralph uh, played columbia football several years before myself and on this episode he discusses his transition and career into uh, banking and finance and kind of how that all happened while doing so during the great recession of 2008 2009 what that environment was like Uh, We see comparisons to what's going on in the tech industry for the past couple of years and understand a little more about how Ralph thinks of his career and kind of how he vents and uh, has these creative outlets and physical outlets and makes sure he's invested in his job where he can really be his peak self. Hope you enjoy the episode. On today's episode of Startup Stories Podcast, I am speaking with Ralph DiBernardo, who is the partner and head of investor relations at Sapphire Ventures based in Austin, Texas. Uh, Ralph, how, how are we doing today? How are, how are things? How is things going at Sapphire? And what is Sapphire?
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Tom. It's great to talk to you. Great to be uh, on the pod and especially one run by a fellow Columbia football alum, um, you know, I guess uh, answer your question while well, doing great uh, on the East Coast for a little bit this summer. Um, but uh, Sapphire, is a, we're a venture capital firm, uh, kind of quietly scaled, we're about a $10 billion AUM firm with a bit of a unique background. Our team spun out of a corporate VC about 13 or 14 years ago. Um, and we have a focus we have a few lines of business but our main focus is on enterprise software so b2b investing at what we call expansion stage so typically we're series c or series b or c entry point uh when mm-hmm. sapphire first invests in a company uh and we also have a couple other strategies the next thing is a fund to fund investing platform and Early stage venture, uh, and then we have another strategy called Sport, which does early stage venture investing in the media sports world. And you know, in my role, uh, so I, I head investor relations and fundraising. So I'm um, responsible for the the limited partner, you know, fundraising efforts, and then managing the client relationships along with my team um, for fundraises and an ongoing investor
0: maintenance. Cool. And, and, you know, with that, I guess, how did you, how did you kind of come, come into, uh, you know, being in investor relations? Like, you know, I know you start, you know, you went to Columbia where a political science major and then getting into, you know, going into finance at JP Morgan, like what was that path? Like, you know, it's not, uh, you know, I understand a lot of Columbia people do major in political science or take a, a different type of major and get into finance, but, what was that path like for you? And how did you kind of realize you had this passion to to get into finance? Or was there a passion? Or was it purely, you know, about money and experience and things like that, Uh, you know, at least at the beginning before finding that passion?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, So at first, it was not the passion um, at all. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at all. uh, When I got out of school, right? Some people went in, Um, you know, knowing they wanted to get into finance or Wall Street or be a doctor or whatever. I I didn't have a specific passion, um, career-wise anyway, freshman, sophomore year. Um, I majored in political science, minored in history. I just enjoyed the classes. Uh, You know, I liked the professors. I liked the content. uh, It fit my personality. To be honest, I couldn't really be an econ major because I couldn't pass calculus at Columbia, so <laughs> that put a damper on my, on my econ major. And there was no business major at the time. Um, right. And then I initially just got interested in it. You know, my exposure was really through other teammates uh, playing football. The older uh, the older guys were going to Wall Street, and this is oh five oh six time frame when things were very good thought um, mm-hmm. that could be a unique career path. So I started to pursue it, um, you know, via the kind of pretty traditional avenues to start. Um, I interned at a mutual fund close to where I grew up in New Jersey. And then uh, the next uh, summer, my um, junior summer, I interned at J.P. Morgan um, in, a, in a prime broker group uh, and was lucky enough to get an offer to go back full time, even though that was a very unique um, period, uh, because mm-hmm. I was an intern in the summer of 0- 08. So that's a <laughs> uh, you know pretty pretty wild time to be joining the the finance and
0: Wall Street world. Yeah, well, yeah. What was that like? I guess like seeing it maybe like as an intern in '08, and then like coming into it full time, like you know, right after. Two thousand nine, like what was was there a huge like difference in like the culture that you could feel like were people were people yeah, scared, yeah. were people ready to like fight and, and do more, or what was the I guess like vibe <laughs> of that? Uh, pro- probably all of the above. So when I was an intern,
1: I mean JP Morgan is a great place to learn and start your career. I mean I'm I'm close with a number of people from my first class there, I mean you're just trained very very well. The place was managed really well i uh, learned a lot took a lot from it you know they tried to kind of insulate the interns and keep us away from you know like rifts and uh you know cutting whole groups and layoffs and losing money uh, but it just got so big and so bad in in the financial world at that time um that it was it became impossible so i remember one day i showed up and like half the floor was gone uh went to, yeah went to the head went to the head of the group and asked him what was going on and he just told me you know just do what you did yesterday and I said well that's fine but you know i'm the intern uh i kind of did whatever greg told me to do and greg's not here uh <laughs> and so yeah, that was a really kind of interesting uh start but uh, I was lucky to be at a firm that, you know, not only survived, but kind of thrived through it. But it was a it was a weird time. Right? I remember, you know, it's all official recruiting. I was lucky enough to get in and go to Columbia, which, you know, probably a different question, but gave me a lot in my career and life. Um, you know, so we were target school recruiting. Um, I remember literally every day memorizing the volume of write-downs that each bank was taking until so like I got, you know, I was able to get a UBS interview and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know you guys wrote down 27 billion yesterday. It was a pretty crazy time to try and yeah. get into the industry. So it's nice.
0: It, a lot do of think, like
1: shifted or like were eliminated very quickly. Like, uh, right. you know, entire groups kind of went away that weren't profitable and didn't really
0: come back. Right. And th- and I guess like seeing that, you know, as a what 21 year old is kind of like, it's gotta be like jaw dropping a little bit and be like, Whoa, what, what career did I, am I trying to get into right now? Was there any, like, especially in 2008, 2009, are you just like, is this right? Is this going to be, is there going to be a future there? Or what was, was there like optimism within the, you know, the general industry or within, you know, JP Morgan itself, as far as like, Hey, we're going to get through this and then we're going to come out stronger. Or was it like, Hey, we, this is this is bad. The industry is getting a really bad rap right now. Um, let's tread water for a little bit and hope we survive. Or what was that kind of attitude um, generally?
1: Yeah, I I think I had the benefit of being at one of the great institutions at the time, um, mm-hmm. you know, JP Morgan, right? Like, and also the the timing, and this is very specific to like the month that what was going on at the time, you know, so like my summer 08, like Bear Stearns collapse was March of 08. And so mm-hmm. then it was kind of shockwaves that happened. I had good friends that were Lehman interns and had yeah. full-time offers to go back and half of them got Barclays offers. Cause if you remember Bar- I mean, this is before your time, Tom, huh? uh, Barclays <laughs> took over Lehman. Um, <laughs> um, half of them got a Barclays offer the other half said sorry um so they had to go back and try to recruit somehow but i was lucky and then you know probably would have felt different if i was full-time employee that whole time right but as an intern in you know august i was done august 08 and so things started to like bottom and start to come out of the really scary times you know like Mm -hmm. by that winter and so you know, in like February or March when I was able to sign my full-time offer of 09, it's definitely not a good time, but it seems like, okay, maybe like the whole world won't completely implode anymore.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's kind of like, it's almost like luck of the draw. It's like all the, I know from the Columbia experience, it's like people kind of, you know, you go to the bank that you get the job, the internship or the job at, and it's like, whether it was JP Morgan or Lehman brothers or, barclays or you know morgan stanley it's like you don't necessarily get to choose that it kind of just like hey where do i end up um you know ultimately at the end of the day it's your choice um but you kind of take hey what's gonna you know i'm gonna learn a lot of the same things from from each of these different institutions just in a different environment a different way um and like with that feeling of like 2008 2009 in the finance sector and now you're kind of you know in the you know, you're in the, you're in the tech world, but still on the finance side, you know, investing in, you know, different types of tech companies, things like that from, you know, the COVID era of the boom of 2021 and 2022 companies hiring like wildfire. And then, you know, seeing this slowdown towards the end of last year in 2020 and in 2023, like, do you see any like similarities to that? Or is it a totally different beast or kind of what is your outlook, um, you know, I don't know if you can publicly say it, but outlook on like the future or kind of the comparison of, of what, what that is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll avoid a, I'll avoid a prediction, but um, <laughs> the similarities are the similarities are a lot. And I, you know, I like to think I'm still young. I mean, I'm 36, <laughs> but now there's a lot of people that, you know, work with me or on my team you know, that I manage that um you know weren't working in in 08 uh 09 right. and it just it gave me a lot of um uh I had a lot of recollections of kind of what what it felt like we had a partner that i won't name him but a firm that kind of just got taken over by another firm and that was pretty scary for them uh it just made me think about like the comparison to like the bear and J.P. morgan days i actually was in a bear Stearns group. For a while okay. with, uh when i was in jp morgan so it, it a, a lot of similarities um more just in the sense of like be smart work hard kind of fight through but don't be so laser focused to not like pick your head up a little and realize like you may be in the middle of a shit storm and right. need to find yourself you know going somewhere else
0: yeah. Like being able to just like, Hey, this is a macroeconomic issue that's happening right now. And you got to weather the storm and you you realize, you know, you talk to a lot of people and understand like, Hey, everyone seems to be in this same boat right now. Um, especially when, you know, funding kind of dries up and it's like, you know, there's, uh, you know, money was so cheap with the low interest rates for, you know, two and a half years. And then all of a sudden everything, everything shifts and every spending changes and, you know, people are going back into offices, things like that. And all those, like, I guess the COVID like work from home stocks plummeted dramatically Um, just kind of a, yeah, a a weird time to, to be in, (laughs) in that space, I bet. Um, And, you know, it sounds like, you know, you guys are, you know, keeping, keeping pretty even keel, like doing what you can trudge along and then make sure, you know, you still understand like, Hey, this is, this is the world that we're living in right now and we're hoping we can, get get through it and come out stronger again uh, is that kind of where you know the mentality that you guys have been taking over like at sapphire at least with your investments and um you know the the companies that you partner with yeah, yeah for sure we you know we the team
1: i'll say the team not me i uh I have a different role right like but um I spent a lot of time with our existing companies in twenty two and early twenty three right helping them through a downturn. A lot of our investment team has been doing this since 2000. So have seen, you know, this is their third tech downturn and like helping, you know, guide the companies through, you know, having to reduce your costs, right? Which usually means, uh, unfortunately, reduction in size of uh, of the team, right? Or not spending as much or not growing, not hiring as quickly as you thought you would, right? So working with them on that, an action plan to come out of it uh, and then start growing again, you know, getting to their next funding round. Um, Those are types of things that, you know, we spend a lot of time on. And luckily, and, you know, little luck, little hard work, little um, intelligence, right? It's setting yourself up before that to be able to weather it. I mean, just, just like anything, right? You know, we have a stable capital base with the partners we work with. And, you know, we don't, have the need to just invest more money uh, for the
0: sake mm-hmm. of doing it. So we've been pretty slow on new investments over the past 18 months. Right. And yeah, I think probably becoming, you see a lot of these companies or at least the portfolio companies becoming a lot more, I guess, lean and scrappy than than maybe they were accustomed to the, the previous couple of years. Um, is that sort of, is that the case that you've seen for the most part or I guess advise into people is hey you know make sure who knows when the next funding round will really be able to come
1: yep yeah exactly it's be able to do a bunch more with a little bit less is yeah kind of uh awesome. you know what you have to the reality
0: yeah i think that's uh yeah been a very common theme that that i've seen especially yeah the past 12 12 months or so it for sure um is do more with less or you know and, and make sure you can get out and, and preparing yourself for, um, you know, hoping for the best, expecting the worst and making sure you're, you're, you have your you know, ducks in a row and, and everything going. So, um, you know, yep. for, exactly. for you, for you in this, like, you know, from a personal standpoint, like what has kind of helped you, you know, continue to grow like professionally, like, where do you see, like, what are like your, your personal like outlets where you're like, all right. I got to do this, this, and this, so I can be like my sharpest um, when I come to work every day and, you know, talking with clients, talking with investors, uh, making sure that, Hey, I need to be 100% on, but I can't do that unless I take some, you know, take a little break or take some time, time away or, you know, get a good workout in or something like what kind of keeps you going? Like, what are your creative outlets or physical outlets that, that you've seen be successful, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, throughout your career?
1: uh yeah that's a good question for for me it's about um preparation uh kind of being relentless with that and consistency um Mm -hmm. i think that's the most important thing because something we kind of talk about actually on the investment side of our firm is like if you're consistently um you know in the second quartile or better over the long run you're going to be in the top decile right because other people ebb and flow um yeah you know so for me it's about it's about liking what I do if we work too hard and too much in this industry like if you don't like it you're gonna eventually not be very good at it because you're gonna burn out and your uh your give a shit level goes down um yeah. and so you know I, I really do I like the people I work with I like what I do and for me kind of it's preparation. It's doing the same things just over and over again, and not getting bored by it, right? Like kind of <laughs> prepped for meetings, talking with the same investors he's known for a long time, and um, and then maybe on the more personal side of the question, like my outlet and that kind of stuff. I um, gonna sound very uh, self healthy, but uh, <laughs> or, or um, bio bio bio-hacker-y, um, uh I'm not that extreme, but like, I get up pretty early. I do workout program. I follow in a group, Um, you know, pretty much, I mean, every day that's really important to me. It's a mental outlet. Um, You know, I'm doing that like 5.30, 5.45 in the morning before um, anybody else in the house is awake, you know, so I've accomplished kind of a physical outlet and mental outlet that's not work. You know, before the day even starts, uh, which is really important to me. I, uh, my wife and I have two young kids. So it's kind of a zoo in the house right now with a four and two year old. So, yeah, um, getting that in, getting that in every day. And also, like, I have a bit of a side passion around health and fitness and nutrition. And so, um, you know, that's a little bit of a, I don't know if I call it creative, but an outlet for me to put my brain on learning something on that side when I'm a little bit fried on the kind of, you know, finance work. stuff.
0: Yeah. I think it's, a, yeah. Finding that balance and like that route, like even that routine, of just like I spoke like a true athlete where it's like, Hey, like I need to do this every single day, like at the same time or else like something it's like having, you know, a lot of people it's like, you wake up and you have your morning coffee. And it's like, when you don't have your coffee that day, it's like, Oh man, like what am I, what am I doing right now? Am I supposed to be here? Or like, this feels off. Um, and yeah, keeping to that, you, yeah, you know what it's like, go back to yourself and go ask
1: everybody that you played ball with when, what semesters do they have the best grades? And It's always in season football season. Yeah. You're not on top of your stuff immediately and get it done. Then you, you will fail. And so you just are so regimented with everything and you're so consistent with it. Uh, you would you know someone else may think like oh you try you know boost your gpa by like ha- having it be way higher in the spring semester when there's no football but for, i i don't think that's the case for 90 percent of the
0: people yeah i think you don't. Know, it's like when you're in season you get that it's like hey every five minutes matters like you know there's not really time to just like screw around uh you know you have to say hey i gotta do this at this time and this you know in order to make that happen i need to wake up and i need to leave my my apartment at this time to catch the bus up to the field and, and all that and it's like very regimented and you know the second you kind of get off of that you're like you're like oh man like what is <laughs> you know what is life what is all this extra stuff that i might you know i have time for all of a sudden uh <laughs> that, that kind of creates distractions. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think it definitely. I've always been a big believer that like physical and creative outlets go hand in hand with like professional work um, and making sure it's like, hey, you know, I got to do something on the outside to make sure I'm still interested in the work that I'm doing, uh, you know, to make money and on a day to day basis for for a career. Uh, And you know, you you know, you mentioned like burnout earlier. You know, obviously, you know, starting in, in with J.P. Morgan on the investment banking side and you know, going into the private equity and the the venture capital, uh, route, like you hear so many times from these, you know, first, second year associates, uh, that just they, you know, you work these 80, hundred hour weeks and just completely burn out. But the hope is that you, you know, you work two years and then you, you transition careers into the PE or VC, VC route or go to a hedge fund. Um, what was your experience like with that? Like, did you feel that burnout? Was that, you know, was going, you know, out getting outside of investment banking was that the kind of like the end goal or did it just happen kind of serendipitously
1: yeah so i actually so i had an interesting start um at j p morgan i like to joke and say i luckily was was never actually doing investment banking i started it was a little bit of a different um start for me it was actually basically a middle back office right so Uh, I had an offer to just go back generally, but then so many jobs were eliminated. The only thing I could get placed into was a a kind of a back office role. I actually worked out of the Brooklyn office with J.P. Morgan. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I really liked the boss. I really liked the head of the group, but it was was not a job I wanted to do for my career. Um, So there there was luckily a policy there that I I guess it still holds today. If you were a top performer as an analyst, your group after a year you were allowed to interview internally you know with the theory of keep the best people where they should be and so yeah. that was my goal you know i did that and then i interviewed i moved over to the at the management side of jp morgan which was fundraising for all the jp morgan at the management products and that's how i got started in the more ir fundraising world mm-hmm. um and then i so then i joined kkr at the point well, over 2011 or 2012, I joined KKR pretty early uh, in that firm's life of having you know dedicated IR LP relations folks, and you know then now and that's how I got down the track of the private equity venture uh, fundraising side and stuck with it because I just kind of liked it and found I was at least decent at it. Um, but but to go back then and answer your question, I. I've probably been close to burnout twice in my career Um, and both times. I mean, I liked the firm. It wasn't like I hate working at this place. It's people just, you know, above me, you know, giving me crap work to do, but it was just a sheer volume of work that had to get done with the limited hours available and also just being spread too thin and being in a culture luckily you know of perfection right like where things were done yeah. quickly and they were done and they were done perfectly um and so i was pretty close twice to to burn out um and had to like you know take a step back like mentally physically um to reset myself uh a little <laughs> bit but it didn't you know it didn't really stray me from the industry it, it made me really think about the, there's re- this is very nuanced but there's different types of you know roles and firms um, that exist in in my world, and so I kind of knew from those experiences what I didn't want to you know be doing for like ten years.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I think that's important. And then yeah, being able to it's just like yeah that that culture of doing it right the first like doing it the the right way the first time um, and just making that happen is like it it's stressful and it's it's uh, but it like it builds like strength. And I think like determination, it's like, you come out the other side better, as long as you completely don't, you know, fry your brain and and burn off, burn out and go, you know, off the rails or something. It's like, how do you use that experience to, you know, further your career and become stronger? Um, And, you know, I think with that uh, being able to, to like, you know, you mentioned keeping, you know, after the first year being able to try and keep like, Hey, let's try and keep our top performers within JP Morgan. Uh, You know, have you taken that sort of mindset with the companies that you've, you know, invested in and advised and and kind of working with them? Like, like, Hey, like, you know, yeah, you got to do some layoffs, but maybe let's try and see who are the top performers maybe with this one department. Can we keep them within the, within the company and maybe transition them to another org um, versus completely laying them off and, and kind of letting them go back onto the market, knowing like, hey, one of our competitors could probably scoop these, this person up uh, and, you know, they're going to you know, maybe get a leg up in that sense.
1: Yeah, that's,
0: yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's not really
1: my area of expertise, but okay. the short answer to your question on that is, yes, you definitely want to help guide people to like keeping the good players around Um, Mm -hmm. It's good for morale. It's good for good for culture, but they have to be good and there has to be a place for them to execute their role, Um, you know, and in the startup world, um, you know, every every dollar kind of counts, right? Like you're you're fighting for survival. You know, the the boom times got people a little crazy. um, Yeah. And that money was free and it's not it's not anymore
0: yeah kind of just like a you know rising tide lifts all ships um sort of mentality where yeah it's like when money's cheap people can do whatever they want and they're going to be they're going to find success but you know when when it's not it's uh you know kind of say hey who who's going to come out of it alive and who's going to come out of it stronger and uh, things like that and um you know for you and you know mentioning you know dealing a couple times like potential with you know two different types of like burnout you know throughout your career like you know, was there was there any moment in your career where you're like, is this really what I want to be doing? Like, do I want to be in in VC and, you know, investor relations or was it like, hey, I want to go, you know, what? I want to go make pizzas for a living or I want to go, you know, be a you know personal trainer for a full career. Like, was there any time you ever had like a moment like that where just like, what what am I doing? Is this right? Um, and just kind of like what how you dealt through any of it, yeah. if so.
1: Well, first I think I'd make a mean pizza,
0: um,
1: but, uh, not, not, not really. Um, and that's probably why I'm still doing it. You know, I never really got to that point. I I always found like, you know, it works in kind of sprints and cool off periods. Typically, you know, I always found like getting through the sprint to accomplish, like finishing a fundraise was really rewarding. Um, you know, and then there's times when there's not a lot going on, but maybe you're working on a lot of operational stuff and that's not as mm-hmm. fun, but you have an eye to the next fundraising cycle or like getting out to a conference and getting to actually like spend time talking and interacting with people. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I ever got to, to that point where I, where I questioned it, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, it's good to, to kind of know it's like yeah there's always going to be times that that are troubling but then being able to be like hey this is this is what's right for me this is what I truly have a passion for I think is what drives people to continue down that that road even when there's a lot of speed bumps and hazards and things like that um and you know I'll, I'll, for for you like personally um you know with you know you've lived in you know growing up in New Jersey going to school in New York City and then you know, working in New York, you know, you worked in the Bay Area now in Austin, like what has, you know, three very different cities and regions, like what have you seen be like the biggest difference, at least in like how business gets done or, you know, mentality that people take, uh, you know, a New Yorker versus someone in San Francisco, kind of how do you have to address these, you know, companies or investors uh, (laughs) a little differently, um, you know, between those, those different areas? Do yeah more. i
1: think it's more i don't
0: i, I don't uh, yeah i
1: don't really address people in that way differently but okay. um like pers- personally though i mean it is wildly different i mean i think everyone should live in new york for a little bit and then they should move on you know it mm-hmm. puts a grit in you i mean it's it's everyone is going after what seems like the same pie um yep and it's very competitive Um, you know, and it's just not, it's not really like, I mean, in Austin is a, it's a very small town. i walk by the same people every day, you know, go, go -hmm. out to lunch, see the same people. Like it's a small town, even though it's grown a lot, but it's a, it's a different mentality. There's also not a ton of, um, you know, people doing the same thing in Austin. It's pretty, it's pretty diversified, um, versus, you know, go to a happy hour on certain blocks and manhattan and you're gonna run into everybody um in blue suits with a white shirt and a blue or red tie um yeah you know so there's a lot of differences there
0: yeah no i definitely feel that i, I like that uh you know living in new york i think at a young age especially like i i grew up around chicago and then you know going to new york at 18 you're just, you just come out as a 22 year old i'm like wow i just lived in the biggest city in in the country that has all this like stuff and i was so broke the whole time and it what you just like yeah. learn to be <laughs> scrappy and just like yep. like you're a freshman and sophomore in college you're like man i'm paying nine dollars for a, a bud light and you see all your friends that are somewhere else it's like man they're getting 25 beers at the bar like this is this is like a different world and being able to yep. kind of get that mentality yeah he kind of puts that yep. uh just like hey like you know I can get, I can do things like truly, if you can make it in New York, you could, you could probably make it anywhere. Um, you know, you'll figure it out and kind of get that. Exactly great right. I, yeah. That's it.
1: That's exactly right. I, I remember my, you know, my freshman and sophomore years, I, um, I worked a summer job, you know, at home. I don't know, maybe I saved two grand and I had mm-hmm. the last all
0: year. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that was, sure. uh, that was, That was like me. I was like, I'd go home for a few weeks uh, and caddy and make, make a bunch of cash and then try and, you know, come back to New York for the summer and do workouts. And yeah, it's like, you just, you make do with a lot less and you figure out how to, you know, scrap along and do some, do some free things. And um, yeah, it's a, that scrappy mentality for sure. Um, And yeah, Ralph, to kind of, you know, wrap things up here a little bit, um, you know, kind of off topic, a little less serious than, than the work stuff um, you know, for you pretty, you know, sounds like pretty in shape guy, pretty, you know, regimented with meal, things like meals, things like that. Um, what, what is like your, what's your favorite cheat meal? Like, what is your, or cheat activity where you're just like, you know what, I just need to like veg out or like, you know, uh, you know, pound some food and just kind of let let that go. Like, is that something that you do do or do you, are you still, you know, very strict and kind of no cheat day mentality?
1: Yeah, that's a funny question. Um, you know, I play O-line. I'm about, I yeah. fluctuate between 80 and, a, and 100 pounds less than my playing weight now. Um, and, it's, you know, it's kind of funny you ask that. I I, uh, I don't really think about it that. I'm very regimented. I think it's in my genes, for example. I like to joke my dad's literally eating the same lunch every day for 40 years. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm not really a cheat meal guy because I don't have a sweet tooth. So okay. my, my cheat is just I like, kind of like, you know, overindulge on my dinner. If I'm like, Oh man, you know, we just made some awesome ribeye steaks. So I like eat like two pounds of ribeye steak and feel sick, you know, uh, yeah. versus I'm not like downing the tub of ice cream kind of guy. Um, right. And I, I enjoy like the meals I make. I've like gotten into cooking and stuff. So I'm not like a, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss, slow carb Sunday, eat everything you can um, mm-hmm. under the sun. So uh, it's a very boring answer um, for mm-hmm. you, but it's just not the way. I'm... Maybe I'll break at some point, you know, and then I'll
0: call you back and let you know. Yeah, I might have to come down to Austin and uh, show you some some pick out spots, um, for, for some food down there. there you go. I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, if I lived in Austin, I'd go back up to my O-line playing weight for sure. Um, you know, yeah. and then s- hopefully sweat it all out in the summer. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I, uh, yeah, my guilty pleasure is always like California burritos. Like I could probably eat two burritos every oh, day for, <laughs> for my whole life if I really wanted to, but would uh, feel, feel terrible and not get much else done. So, um, but Ralph, this has been, you know, this has been an awesome conversation and really like insightful in terms of, you know, your career path and how you've dealt with things, being able to compare that, like, you know, from entering the the workforce in, you know, in 2008, 2009 era and kind of, you know, how does that compare to right now? Um, it's been really insightful, really helpful. Um, anything, anything else you want to plug in or, uh, you know, chat about uh, before we kind of wrap things up?
1: No, I don't think that's... Uh it's good, good chatting on the stuff and I'm all, you know, always happy to do it. So again, especially with, uh, with a fellow lion. So I appreciate the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a great chat and, uh, I appreciate you jumping on the podcast.